Welcome to the Message Podcast from Church of the Nazarene. We invite you to subscribe for updates and new episodes. You can find us on most major podcast outlets. Visit cotnaz.org for more info. Our worship services stream weekly on Sundays at 9 a.m. on YouTube. You can also find our live stream at cotnaz.org. Our in-person service times are 9 and 10.30 a.m. We have a campus near Harrisonburg at 1871 Boyers Road. We also have a campus in East Rockingham at 414 Southeast Side Highway in Elkton. In addition, our Spanish-speaking campus meets on Sundays at 11.45 a.m. at that same 1871 Boyers Road location. Check out our website, cotnas.org, for more info. Today, I want to reflect on a minute some of the most well-known Christmas stories. The truth is, uh, many of the Christmas stories that we will watch and listen to and are part of our traditions this year, many of them are marked by obscurity. Think about it, right? Remember George Bailey stuck in, in sleepy Bedford Hall's obscurity? Remember Charlie Brown and his underwhelming Christmas tree? You remember that, right? Or... Like me, if you're at least 30, I'm at least 30, that's all I'll claim this morning, but if you're like me, if you're at least 30, you've probably viewed this scene that we're about to see more than once. It's a classic example of obscurity, both literal and figurative. Take a look. of the island of misfit toys a jack-in-the-box or a sentry yes my name is don't tell me jack no charlie that's why i'm a misfit toy my name is all wrong no child wants to play with a charlie in the box so i had to come here where's here Christmas Day is here, the most wonderful, wonderful, wonderful. 
just a bunch of misfits cast into obscurity forever. Misfits. Have you ever felt like that? Have you ever felt like a misfit? I have. (laughs) Have you ever felt like you just don't belong, like you're not that extraordinary? Maybe you feel unimportant, unremarkable, essentially invisible? A misfit. Well, if you've ever felt like that, this Christmas story is for you. This is the best story, and we'll learn today, this is your story. And if you've ever felt like a misfit, it's especially for you. Hey, this is our series, God With Us. We're discovering that Christmas really is about one word. It's really about presence. It's really about God's presence coming to be with us. And that reality changes everything. The reality that God didn't just love us from a distance, didn't just create us and kind of leave us alone, but he sent Jesus to show up among us to be God with us. And that changes everything changes everything. We've learned throughout these past couple weeks that God is with us in the waiting, in the waiting of our lives. Jesus arrived in Bethlehem after 400 plus years of waiting and silence. And so we see those in and around the Advent story. They didn't allow waiting to cloud their hope. They understood God was with them in the waiting. And last week we talked about not just that God is with us in the waiting, but he's with us in the uncertainty This story, this story is filled with uncertainty, just like our lives today, right? Our lives is filled, filled with uh, uncertainty. And Mary and Joseph especially trusted God even in the midst of uncertainty. That reminds us that God is with us during the uncertain moments of our lives. Uh, So God is with us in the waiting. He's with us. He's with us in the uncertainty. And today we consider what it means for him to be with us in the obscurity, with us in the obscurity. Obscurity doesn't just define the Christmas classics like the Island of Misfit toys that we just saw, right? It really does define our story. In fact, long before Jesus ever showed up, the prophecies told us, told us of the obscurity, right? The picture of Jesus that we see, of the Savior that we see is going to seem insignificant, is going to seem obscure. Look, just consider this on the screen in Micah chapter 5. This prophecy was told generations before Jesus would come, but it says, But you, Bethlehem, Ephraim, though you are small among the clans of Judah, out of you will come for me one who will be the ruler over Israel, whose origins are from old, from ancient times. The promise is the Messiah coming, but not with shouts and cries and parades, a show of strength. No, no, out of small and obscure Bethlehem, the Messiah is coming The prophets are painting a picture of obscurity, so it shouldn't surprise us as we turn again to Luke chapter 2. The kids helped us read it just a second ago, but we're going to look at it again this morning. It shouldn't surprise us that the story we read, the Christmas story, is a story of obscurity. Look at it with me. You might be familiar with it, but beginning in Luke chapter 2, it says this. In those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that should be taken of the entire Roman world. This was the first census that had taken since Quirinius was governor of Syria, and everyone went to their town to register. He also went up to the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea, the town of Bethlehem, uh, because he belonged to the house and line of David. Verse 5, he went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and expecting a child. Okay, maybe you know this story well, but let's just acknowledge in accordance with the census they go to Bethlehem. There's nothing majestic or extraordinary about 
Bethlehem, except that's where the prophets foretold that the birth of the king would happen. And this is where the Messiah is born. O little town of Bethlehem. What, what does the song say? Yet in thy dark streets shineth the everlasting light. The hopes and fears of all the years are met in thee tonight in little Bethlehem. Let's keep reading verse six. While they were there, while they were there, the time came for the baby to be born. So she gave birth to her firstborn a son and she wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger because there was no guest room available for them. So, so the Messiah is born in the obscurity of Bethlehem, but there's no guest room. There's no place for them to go. So not only is Bethlehem the last place that would merit the greatest event in history, but Mary and Joseph are sent out back, treated like nobodies. Verse 8, there were shepherds living out in the fields, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel appeared to them in the glory of the Lord. Shown, can you imagine that? The glory of the Lord showed up. They were terrified, but the angel said, hey, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. I bring you good news. It will cause great joy for all the people because today in the town of David, a Savior has been born for you. <laughs> he is the Messiah. He is, the, how long, how many generations of people had longed to hear these words that now the angels are declaring to the shepherds, the Messiah is here, the Lord is here. This will be a sign. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths, lying in a manger. Then suddenly a great company of heavenly hosts appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth peace to those on whom his favor rests. So let's get this right. Let's get this right in the story. Obscure town, check. Obscure birthplace, yeah, the manger, check. Then the most obscure people of all, the shepherds who were literally, literally obscure out there in the fields are the ones who see the very gift of God, the glory of God. As a matter of fact, there really aren't many key players in this story that aren't obscure in some way. This is the story of a savior arriving in the midst of obscurity. But the question I have is why? It, it's really hard to argue as you read the story and remember and reflect on the details that, yeah, this is, this is obscure. But the question I have is why? Of all the ways, I mean, our, our Lord had generations and generations and thousands of years to plan the arrival of his son of God with us. So why? Why would he come this way? Listen, on purpose, God chose Bethlehem for the birth of his son. We saw it prophesied years and years before. On purpose, the announcement of the birth came to not to kings or princes or lawyers or religious leaders or rich men, but to shepherds, the lowest of the low. God did all of this on purpose. So the question I have is why? Why would God do that? I believe it's because God knows you. God knows me. And many of us in our lives feel pretty obscure. If we don't feel like that all the time, we certainly can point to many times in our life where you and I feel obscure. We feel like our story, the story that we're living is not very exciting. We feel like 
the gifts that we might have or don't really have, they don't really matter much, that you're no one that God would pay much attention to. I think God knew that you and I often feel obscure. And if that's you, and if you've ever felt that way, or if you can resonate with that today, then God wrote the story of redemption with you in mind. He wrote your and my story of redemption with you, the misfit, right, in mind. In reality, you can make a case that it's the unmajestic that God cares for first. His eyes fall first on the obscure. Really, this story shows that God has has favored those that the world might see as obscure and unimportant. That's the one. God chooses. It's not just that he uses the obscure. He he actually prefers them in this story, right? That's the ones that he chooses. In the seasons of waiting in my life, in the seasons of uncertainty in my life, yes, and in the seasons of obscurity in my life, there's one question that I often ask the Lord, and it's this, God, do you see me? Have you ever asked God that? Maybe not out loud, (laughs) But in your heart, in your mind, have you ever felt that way? I don't know what you're dealing with today. I don't know what the circumstances of your life are. I I know that many that have gathered here today, you're in the midst of heavy things, hard, difficult circumstances, maybe circumstances that don't make sense. Sometimes we ask those things in, in the big circumstances of life, the crisis, the tragedy, but sometimes in the midst of the obscure, the day to day. Sometimes I'm going to confess to you that I look up to heaven and say, God, do you really see me? I, I, know what, I know what the Bible says. I know what I'm supposed to believe. But sometimes, God, it doesn't feel like you see me. feels like I'm pretty obscure. I was thinking of the people, the seasons of life, those in, in this church family and beyond that might feel that way, right? The exhausted mom up at 2.30 in the morning with a sick baby after what's already been a long day. Do you see me, God? (laughs) What about the one uh, in a dead-end job who really wishes life would be different? The student who doesn't eat at the right lunch table at school. What about the man who has everything but doesn't have true friends? What about the widow or the widower who feels like there's nothing left for them. No matter what season of your life, no matter what situation or circumstances, so many of us today have had those moments where we stop and we might look up to heaven and say, God, do do you see me? Does my life really matter to you? Does the circumstances of my life, no matter how big or small they may seem, God, are you paying attention up there? I have, and Christmas reminds us, Christmas reminds us that God sees us right where we are. Think about that. This story, the story of obscurity reminds us, God sees us right where we are, right where we are. I I love uh, throughout the life of Jesus, Yes, we celebrate at Christmas the arrival of Jesus, but we get to keep reading throughout the scriptures, right, and and study the life and the ministry of Jesus. And and, and Jesus' ministry was marked by ministering to those in obscurity, 
Time and time again, it's, it's the stories that I love. He favors the outsider. He goes after the one that nobody else cares for, the one that's judged or pushed to the margins. That's the one that he, he and constantly, time after time, he's, he's ministering to those in the midst of obscurity. One of my favorite stories, I love to tell this. If you've been showing up here for a while, you've heard me share this story, but, but it's one of my favorite stories in the New Testament. We're not gonna take time to read it, but I think it demonstrates the God who sees us in our obscurity. Uh, the story goes something like this. Uh, we don't know the woman. We know that she was sick. Literally, the Bible doesn't even tell us her name. They just tell her she was the woman who was sick. That's how obscure she is. She doesn't even get a name. <laughs> Maybe the gospels don't know her name. Maybe they did. Maybe they didn't think it was important. But this woman doesn't even have a name except we know she was sick. And in the midst of a crowd of people and Jesus walking through, she was sick. And in her sickness, the bleeding that she was experiencing made her an outcast. She was considered unclean, which meant she wouldn't be able to worship like this. She wouldn't be able to be accepted among many uh, because she was unclean. And so she would have been ostracized, an outcast from community. And so on this particular day in this story, as Jesus is walking through a crowd of people, is pushing in all around him. He's Jesus. He's God with us. They wanted to get in on this. But, and this woman who has been so sick and no one can help her, she doesn't even have a name, right? She, she, she reaches for just the hem of Jesus's robe. She just has the faith or the desperation to believe, maybe, maybe he can help me. And the story goes like this, that, that as she just touches the robe of Jesus, she's healed, which in and of itself is amazing. But then Jesus does something really weird. He stops. Now, Jesus was busy. I don't know what kind of to-do list he had. But in this particular story, he's going to, to minister to someone else. He's going to heal someone else. He's got another appointment on the other side of town. So he's busy. But in the midst of all that busyness, he knows that this woman's already been healed. The, the story says that he can sense the, the power of God moving through him. But still he stops and he says, who, who touched me? Everybody's like, well, we all touched you. He's like, no, 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 no. Who's the one that touched me? And can you imagine this woman? That The story says that, that she was sh shameful, trembling in fear. She, sh she shouldn't have touched Jesus. She, she, was, she was the outcast. She was the obscure. What kind of punishment would be levied on her? She wanted to hide in obscurity. But, but Jesus makes her identify herself. And as he says, go in peace. I believe that woman's life was transformed forever, not, not because she experienced physical healing, that's beautiful, but because maybe for the first time in her life, she felt like someone really sees me. Someone really sees me. Oh, before they saw her, her sickness, outcast, her story, her reputation, right? But, but now Jesus stops everybody in the crowd and looks her in the eye and ministers to her. Why? Because he wants her to know, daughter, you are not obscure to me. Your story matters to me. Your life matters to me. Your hurt matters to me. Look at all these people. I love all them too, but you, you matter to me. And it's a story I can't get over and I can't stop telling because the truth is, I've had those moments where I felt like I was just one of the crowd. And I felt like 
whatever burden I was carrying or the hurt I, that was weighing me down. I just felt obscure, maybe forgotten. Maybe even as a, a pastor, right, I get to tell everybody else about the good things that God's doing, but not always feeling like he sees me. We can all identify to that in different ways in our lives. But this story, Jesus ministering, reminds me, reminds me of the bottom line for today, that Christmas proves there are no invisible people. Not to God, not to the one that created you, not to the one who, who formed you and knit you together and, and, and didn't just leave you be, didn't just create you and say, hey, good luck down. No, no, no. He came to be with you. And because of that, we can have confidence that no one has to be invisible to him. No one has to be obscure, that his story came. His story reminds us, Jesus came to remind us that there are no invisible people, not in his kingdom. When God wanted to deliver the most important message, the most important message, the Savior is here. He didn't choose the distinguished. He didn't choose the high and mighty, the most gifted. He chose the ones who seemed lowest, the shepherds. And they became the messengers for the King of Kings. In many ways, the lowest in the land were given the highest honor. Take a look at this. This is the story of a ragtag bunch of church members who set out to perform a Christmas play and the director who tried his hardest to just keep it all together. The glory of Christmas. I am the longest running cast member of the Nativity Ensemble of our church. Well, I don't like to mention it, but I am a formally trained prodigy of the theater arts. Having Dan as part of our cast is fantastic. Lord, I am surely blessed beyond measure. Okay, uh, okay, good. Uh, let's, uh, let's just, let's do it again. But this time with more emotion, okay? Hey, I want you to Meryl Streep this up, okay? Dan thinks he's helping, but all he does is compare everything to Meryl Streep. Tony, need you to channel your inner Meryl. My dear Mary, stop. It is... Just, I need to Meryl this over for a minute. Oh, this is no way to treat your actors. Meryl would have seen this and walked immediately. Really, Dan? Because this potato salad looks so Meryl right now. Suddenly, the most splendiferous heavenly being appeared to my cohorts and me. Stick to the script, please. Okay, Joel, it's called the glory of Christmas. I think the shepherds deserve a little more poetic language, don't you think? It's the Bible, Dan. God may beg to differ with you. By day, I make a living as an accountant, a dedicated one. But a dedicated actor must lose themselves and fully become the character. Do you have any questions for me at all? Uh, what's that smell? Green pastures. Green pastures, Annette. I am so method. I haven't bathed in a month. You really need to take a bath. I can't. 
these shepherds were society's misfits. You know, they were, sure, transfixed by um, a choir of angels, but also amazed that God had chosen them. They were the scrawny kid in P.E. Yeah. yeah. The, uh, the nerd who went alone to the prom. Yeah. They were, um, they were the glee club president. Twice. They were the least of these. God asked me to be the keeper of the most important message that's ever been kept. Tell everyone that he sent the greatest gift ever, the Prince of Peace. The lowest in the land is given the highest honor. What's that smell? Imagine that, the lowest in the land, given the highest honor. Today, um, do you feel obscure? Do you feel like in your story that you're the one that's forgotten, that you're the one that God doesn't really see? Does it feel like the circumstances? And look, this is a season of so much joy for so many, but for some of us, maybe the grief, the loss, the pain of your circumstances, this season just feels heavy, incredibly heavy. And maybe you feel like you're all alone. <laughs> the power of Christmas, the message of Christmas is that God came to be with us even in the obscurity of our lives. So that you can be assured today you are not alone. I want to invite you today, would you do something with me? Uh, would you just bow your heads right where you are and close your eyes? I want to pray with you today. And maybe today is, is many, 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 many Christmases that you've gotten to celebrate like this. In a service, remembering, reflecting, thanking God. Maybe somebody invited you here today. Christmas, uh, especially celebrating in a church, is not really your scene. It's not your norm. But, but somebody invited you to be here. Maybe you know the story, but it's kind of gotten stale and old in your life. But today... I want to invite you, I want to invite you to experience Christmas in a different way. <laughs> maybe in a way you never have before, but maybe in a way that you need all over again. Do you believe, just with your heads bowed and your eyes closed, I, why do we do that? I, I get pretty distracted sometimes, so I just, I want to remove distraction. I want to invite you to just focus today on your story Have you welcomed his presence, invited his presence to be with you? Listen, the invitation is yours, but you and I have to make the choice. God desires to show up in the midst of your obscurity, but, but some of us today, we have to welcome him into that. We have to invite him into those places.
receive him the gift of his presence. Maybe you've never done that before. Maybe it's been a really long time. So if that's you today, I just want to pray with you. That's my heart. I I just realize there are people in this room that came in and you feel so alone. Even in a room like this, you feel alone. There are some that showed up today. The word that you could use to describe your circumstances are hopeless. That's how you feel. Forgotten. Invisible. And if that's you today, I want you to know that it is no accident that you're here and it's no accident that you're hearing this story, the story of God with us. And so if that's you and you're in the sound of my voice, I just want to invite you to pray this prayer with me. You don't have to pray it out loud, but just in your heart, right where you're at, repeat this prayer with me. Uh, Jesus, I receive the gift of your presence. Thank you, God, for the greatest gift that could be given, that I don't have to walk alone, that I don't have to be invisible, that you know my story and you see my pain and you came to be with me in the midst of the most obscure times in my life. I never have to walk alone. Some of us are welcoming, inviting your presence, a relationship with you, God, maybe for the first time or or maybe it's been a while, but, but we're recognizing how quickly we push your presence to the Lord. We don't invite you into these spaces. And so, Lord, thank you that because of the gift of Christmas, because of, of your death on the cross and your resurrection, that, that we don't have to be invisible, that you paid the price for us. No matter what we're going through today, we don't have to be alone. And we are not obscure. <laughs> thank you. I pray for the, the one that came in today believing that lie, that they're alone, that no one sees them. I pray now that they would believe in faith that you are with them in the Christmas story is for them the reminder that they are not invisible anymore. Thank you, Jesus, for this greatest gift that we receive now. In your name we pray, amen, amen. Church family, let's stand to our feet. We're gonna spend some time uh, worshiping, singing, reflecting on this gift, the gift of his presence. Let's sing together. Thank you so much for listening today. You can email us at info at cotnaz.org for any questions about our church. When you're done listening today, please subscribe to this channel for updates and new episodes.